Have you ever experienced resistance in your racial justice work? Or what do you do when you face resistance to your racial justice and anti-racism work? If you've answered yes to the first question and answered, I'm not sure how to respond to the second one or something similar, then you are in the right place. Hi, I'm Dr. Terrence L. Green. I'm a tenure professor and I've helped to prepare hundreds of racially just and anti-racist school leaders. And I want to help you. That's why I created this podcast to provide you and your team with real world insights and practices that work so that you can collectively build racially just schools. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about something that you will inevitably experience in your racial justice and anti-racism work, and that is resistance. Now, this is going to be the first of two parts, the first of two episodes on resistance. And in this first episode, I'm going to be talking about four primary types of resistances that you can experience in your work. And this is going to be based on a framework that I've created to help you and your team really get clear and identify on the type of resistance or resistances that you're experiencing in your work. And then in the second episode, the next episode, I'm going to be talking about, you know, why is it that people resist and how you might go about navigating um, the the resistance that you experience. So I'm super excited about these next two episodes to really support and help you and your team in the racial justice and equity work that you're doing. Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by www.raciallyjustschools.com. And when you join our community today, I will send you a free video on how to make your racial justice work better. I'm excited about you joining the community and I look forward to meeting you. And if you're ready to get into today's episode, we will in one second. But first, I have a special announcer that's going to get us started. Let's get this party started. Welcome to the Racial Justice Podcast with your host, Dr. Terrence Elgrade. He's my daddy, and he's the best ever. Let's go. You're listening to the Racially Justice Schools Podcast, the show that provides resources to help you and your team build racially just schools. Now, here's your host, Dr. Terrence L. Green. I Welcome to the Racially Just Schools podcast. My name is Terrence L. Green and I am your host. And yo, I am deeply humbled and grateful that you are here today for this episode. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about something that I honestly believe impacts all of us, anybody who's engaged in racial justice and equity work, and that is resistance, right? What do you do when people resist the work? Why do people resist? You know, uh, what 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 types of resistances are there and how can I identify which one I'm experiencing? We're going to talk about all of that today, so I'm super excited. So let's hop right into it. To begin, I think it'll be helpful if we are all able to enter this conversation um, with some type of shared meaning and understanding about what resistance is. Uh, so first, I want to spend a little time talking about how I come to understand resistance and and, and what the implications of, the, of that is. And so um, the first thing I think is super important is to just name up front is that resistance is a natural response to adaptation um, when we think um, ecologically or biologically, but resistance is also a natural response to organizational change. In particular, when we're talking about shifting organizations and systems away from being uh, racist and white supremacists and being anti-black to being ones that are anti-racist, that are racially affirming, that are racially just, resistance is just part and parcel of that work. And so one of the things that I've 
I've always liked to say is that resistance is something that can be expected, but it's something that should be entered. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that because you don't want to enter all types of resistance, but it's definitely something um, that you should be expecting. You may not be excited about it, but it's something to be expected. When I think about resistance, I think about it as this. Resistance is the pushback, the undermining, and the opposing forces that aim to stop, eliminate, or to dilute your racial justice work. I'll say that again. Resistance, it is the pushback. It is the undermining. It's these opposing forces that are aiming to, they want to try to pause or stop the work. They want to completely, totally eliminate the work. And I think in some ways, people would much rather have the work continue, but it be diluted, right? So resistance is the pushback, the undermining, the opposing forces that aim to stop, eliminate, or to dilute your racial justice work. And the thing about resistance is that you can experience resistance on an individual and an interpersonal level. You can experience resistance to the work at like a community or communal level, but you also can experience like systemic and structural uh, levels of resistance where entire institutions can be waging war against your work around anti-racism and racial justice um but the reality is one of the things i know i've kind of given you kind of like that definition to kind of work with that's how i come to understand what um resistance and again that's not all inclusive there are many other ways and and more to that but one of the things i do want to add and share with you is that um the reality is that resistance is actually complex in its nuance right um, it'd be very easy to say that, well, the people who are, who are resistance to uh, racial justice and anti-racism work is all the white people or the people that are going to be supportive of my racial justice work gonna be all the black people. And the reality is that ain't true. <laughs> right. It's much more nuanced and complex um, because the reality is that. There are many social variables and socially constructed identity dynamics that are at play that inform how people come to even perceive and to understand the work that you're doing around racial justice and anti-racism. So gender, class, education level, so on and so forth. These can all literally um, play out into the people who resist. So you could have people who um, are folks who are racially minoritized they're black they're latinx they're indigenous they can be opposers to the work and we've all seen that play out in reality right so that's not like some taboo um and at the same time you can have uh white folks who are super resistant to the work and you can have some who come alongside and who are co-conspirators and really trying to push this work forward so it's it's difficult to say that put this blanket statements on resistance that resistance only going to come from particular groups because it's much more nuanced and more complex in reality and how it plays out but it still doesn't um change the 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 fact that that resistance is this pushback it is this undermining is this opposing force that aims to stop eliminate or to dilute your racial justice work. Now I want to spend a little time talking about the various dimensions and types of resistance. So as many of you know, or you may or may not know, <laughs> I've been working on a book now for several years and I finally have 
uh, a first full rough draft. So I'm excited to get this book out into the world this year. And one of the things that I've been writing about in this book is I've spent actually like a whole chapter um, about resistance um, and, and what that means. And, and one of the things that um, I, I write about in this book is I have my experience in working with folks and research. I categorize resistance across these four domains or four types, right? So I'm going to share them with you now. You don't got to wait till the book. I'm going to share them with you now. Um, because I, I I hope it's helpful for you. And there's some some amazing exercise that I'll have in a book that'll support this. But there these are four types of, of, of resistances. And then one thing I want to say is that you can be experiencing all four types of these resistances at the same time, or you could be experiencing two or three. And again, I want to have the disclaimer that these are not, you know, ex, an exhaustive list. This is just to help us categorize and have a framework to think about the various types of resistances, right? And 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 um, so I'll, I'll share a little bit about these four of them. So um, the first one is what I and they all start with these. The first one is what I call venting resistance. Right. So venting resistance is when someone goes off about the work that you're doing. So this is the, the, the in many times the this type of resistance can be instructive if we're able to perceive beyond the way that is often delivered right so for an example this is um the 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 this is a true example one i know of um there was a, a a school that i know of and they were doing some work around equity and one of the things that they were doing is that they they were calling um black people colored right um not like people of color which i you know in some ways some problems with that that terminology and frame but i use people of color and i have used it um for shorthand to to think about the collection of uh folks who are you know black latinx asian pacific Islander, so on and so forth um but this particular school they were using colored right and so you know (laughs) they kept saying it's like we're gonna do this for the colored kids and the color and the color and so finally this black father he comes up to the school and he literally like he cusses everybody. He goes in on the people and they couldn't believe like, oh, my God, where is this coming from? Why in the world would he be saying uh, we're really trying to do some work that's that's equitable, that's racially just, that's powerful. We really want to help black students. But what they didn't understand is that the the the, the nomenclature, the discourse, the language of referring to this black father and their black family and these and black children as color was highly offensive. Right. Um when I say the instructive part is that that school was actually able to learn um, and hear what he was saying to them. And they actually changed their language and were able to be deeply reflective of that. Now, that doesn't always happen because sometimes people are like, oh, I know you ain't come up here and say what you say. I said and, and so now they're going back and forth. Um, but but it was it, he was being resistant to the work. But this resistance was actually a useful resistance. So this goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, resistance at times, of course, always we have to expect it, but at times it should be entered. And this is one of those cases where it should be entered. So um, uh, venting resistance typically happens. um, I I use this in my class. There's an example of um, and this is less more about like racial justice work. But there was a uh, again, as another brother, he came up there, father, black father came up to the school because they had left his his daughter who was um, in kinder. Um, on the bus three times, right? So the bus driver forgot. Um, I think the daughter was falling asleep on the bus and they parked the bus and, you know, he's waiting at the bus stop for his child and nowhere to be found. So this finally happened the third time. He comes up into the office 
and he's going ham. He's going in. He is he cutting them up. You know what I'm saying? And uh, rightfully so. <laughs> you know, hey, they needed that smoke three times, right? And so, um, what we I think one of the cautions is is that we um, have to be cognizant of the reality that when people are venting. There may be some gems in there that can help our work become more robust, uh, more fervent and more powerful towards building racially just and anti-racist schools and districts. So the first one is referred to as venting resistance, venting resistance. The second type of resistance is what I call um vicarious resistance right vicarious resistance so this is the type of resistance that has been passed down um potentially from one generation to another generation or from one social relationship to another social relationship where somebody may not even be fully attached to and understand a particular ideology but because they're in relation to people who are resistant to racial justice and equity work then they in many ways uncritically and disconsciously take on those same uh, the same language the same opposition the same pushback try to become an opposing force even though it it maybe didn't originate from them, but they've been in relationship with people who hold those those views. And so they they now bring this vicarious form of resistance. You know, one of the, the an example of vicarious forms of it. I remember um, when I was teaching, I had a student who was um, had something to say about my hair. You can't see right now because I'm just speaking on here, but I have locks. I've had locks in my hair now for uh, 21, 22 years. And, um, you know, they were a little shorter back then. Um, but anyway, he was tripping because I, I had locks in my hair and the, the mom came up to the school and, um, the mother, uh, she was tripping. She was like, I, you know, we was talking about hair and trying to understand this. And I'm like, I had to check her one for coming at me like that. But two, I understood that he really couldn't even articulate the issue he had with my hair, he was just relaying, reproducing, replaying what she has said about my hair. So he was vicariously, in many ways, showing up as his mother in this particular context with her same language, her same arguments, her same discourses, but he didn't even understand it in any degree of complexity. And this is what I call like this vicarious, right? Like you're, you're in some ways you're living through someone is living. You've, you've picked up their ideologies and their ideas and their concepts. And this often happens in racial justice and equity work. People become opposed to the work. Here's a prime example. This so-called use and teaching of critical race theory in, in K-12 schools, right? I've heard, I can't tell you how many families and people in the community talking about you shouldn't be teaching critical race theory in schools and they are resistant to any teaching of black history any teaching of the complexity and the racial realities and the histories of not just nationally but globally they're resistant to it and many of these people can't even articulate and tell you what critical race theory is or why they're in opposition to it but they are vicariously resisting it because they are in relationship social relationship 
Um, general, 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 got me stumbling over my words, general, generationally connected to people who are resistant to. And so they pick up that same form of resistance, but can even name and articulate what critical race theory is. How has it been used? Why is it used? What does it aim to do? Couldn't do any of that. And so they vicariously resist and they push back on anything that is remotely associated with racial justice and equity work and some of the stuff ain't got nothing to do with equity (laughs) or or, or racial justice but they're in such opposition to it you know they want to stop and ban every single book um they want to uh put a clamp down on uh what's happened instructionally and pedagogically they want to uh rewrite every policy but they don't have a clue to what is actually going on and that type of resistance shows up as vicarious resistance right and that's what i that's what I um, come to understand in term and 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 uh, narrate is this idea of vicarious resistance. It is when people resist racial justice and equity work um, without having a real clear articulation for why they are doing it. But they are doing it because people that they know, people that they are in relationship with, people that they are in community with are resistant to it. So they pick up those same ideologies, those same counter arguments, those same discourses, the same language, the same resistance, even though they don't know what's going on. They are carrying out and reproducing with what people who they know are saying and doing. And that is, my friends, vicarious. The next type of resistance is what I call vitriolic resistance. And so when you think about the etymology of the word vitriol, it's, you know, it has a chemistry origin and background to it. So vitriol initially was the old fashioned name for some of these most dangerous chemicals, um, sulfuric acid and things of that nature and the, the the these chemicals were so corrosive that they literally would eat away with these chemical reactions um that they would that that they would create and in this current context as we think about vitriol um it is it's the similarity is like now we're talking about the language and the behaviors that um, they aim to eat away at the racial justice work you're doing. They aim to um, be corrosive and to eat away at your psych- your psychology, your mentality, your well-being, your person and who you are, the work that you're doing to undermine it in such a way that it's like this vitriol is so corrosive. It's like acid being poured on it to try to, d- to diminish and to delete it and to eliminate it. And, and, and this is the type of resistance um, that shows up in this hate feel language and behavior that can be perpetuated not only by individuals or communities or groups of people but actually by entire institutions schools school boards universities um particular departments um they can they can be uh, particular family and parent groups and um um, supporters of maintaining uh racism in, in white supremacy schools these types of organizations, they can have this vitriol resistance, which can show up in many ways as like um, in language is using racial slurs um, specific to uh, groups that have been racially minoritized in, in the use of, of, of explicit and implicit hate speech. It can show up in the use of microaggressions, these subtle, unintentional acts of racism 
of racial discrimination that is happening on a daily, but also macro aggressions, right, are forms of resistance. Um, racial profiling, uh, as you think about school districts and schools that are working to be more restorative in what happens to children after harm is committed. But this type of resistance to the work are people who are still um, engaging in this type of racial profiling around behavior and what people do and what they say and uh, because they're black kids and because they are um, Latinx and because they're you know, so so that that's a part of it. And it also this vitriolic resistance. One of the ways I've seen it also show up is through online harassment where people will begin to harass people who are engaged in racial justice and equity work online. They're in, they all up in the DMs. They all are um they are on instagram they're on facebook they're on twitter they're sending crazy emails like these these are all forms of vitriolic uh, resistance and you can even get like these emails to try to censor you in the in the shut you down from your own school or your own district or your own university right so these are all forms of what i call vitriolic um uh resistance where they begin to eat away they try to uh, subsume the work of anti-racism and racial justice. And they can be perpetuated again by individuals, by collective groups of people, but also by institutions. The last form of resistance, and again, these are all V's. Um, this is what I refer to as violent resistance. And this can take on many forms. This type of violence resistance can. Um, yes, it can be physical, um, but it also can be psychological. Uh, it's it's trying to do harm to you. Um, it's trying to intimidate you. It's trying to make you afraid and to step down on the work. And it could be, literally be trying to injure you. And we know there have been too many martyrs for this work. Um, it could literally be, be lethal. Um, and so this is where people, you know, they have to have additional physical security. They have to have additional support um, mentally and psychologically. Uh, they have to have all of these additional ways to push back and to protect themselves from the harm that can literally be inflicted through violent resistance. And again, um, this isn't anything new. I mean, all through school desegregation um, and even post-school desegregation, there there continues to be these violent forms of resistance to where people um, are using firearms, they're trying to intimidate um, by showing what they're not even concealing, what they're what they're carrying, and it's all of these um, psychological, mental uh, violence, but it's also a physical violence to this. And but these are types of resistances. Again, the goal of all four of these, this physical thing, it is to it is it is again to go back to what I said earlier. It is to push back. It is to undermine. It is to impose. It is to 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 with the ultimate goal to stop, to eliminate, to dilute the racial justice work that you are engaged in. And so you you see this these forms of uh, of, of racial violence that that happens right and so i have colleagues who you know are teaching courses on you know racism and uh, racial justice and critical race theory who as they were teaching these courses 
at university levels, but also at, you know, K-12 levels, you know, they would come outside to their car and their tires would be slashed. Their their windows would be um, broken in and, and all taken out. And, you know, other colleagues who've had to put up security systems and, you know, ring systems and cameras around their home because of threats that they've received, um, both of physical harm and all types of harm. And so when we talk about, you know, violent resistance, this is a a reality. This is real. This impacts people's livelihoods, their lives, their families, um, their well-being on multiple levels. So this is something that is severe and that if you and if you're experiencing this, you need to be very aware of it because the way you navigate this and all these other forms of resistance are very, very, very important and they're crucial. And so these are things that we have to take extremely seriously as we are engaged in our racial justice and equity work. Part of what racial violence is trying, uh, uh, part of what violent resistance is aiming to do, it is aiming to create a sense of fear so that you won't engage in this work so it can reinforce systemic racism and continue to contribute to the marginalization and the oppression of particular student groups and adults um, in schools. And so this is one that can happen on the individual level as well, the communal level as well. Um, and we've seen throughout history it happen on institutional level. Well, I hope you found this framework useful. Um, and again, uh, when I um, release the book, I have a number of exercises that you can go through with people on your team, uh, folks that you're working with. And you can go through individually to really situate and identify where you are um, with this resistance and what the implications are, what the connections. And so I'm excited to share that with you. But one to get that to you before, um, you know, the book officially dropping, you know. Cider brother, if you use it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but next week, next time we um, engage on the next episode, I'm going to be talking about in part two of this, I'm going to be talking about why people resist, but then how might you start to navigate some of this resistance, right? Now that you have a lay of the land, you're, you're clear on where you are, what you're experiencing. You may be experiencing one or two or three or all of them or none of them at the particular moment. Um, and so, Based on, um, you know, what you're experiencing, we're going to talk in the next episode around, again, why people resist. But then how might you start to navigate? What might you start to do um, when you're experiencing encountering this type of resistance to your racial justice and equity work? Well, that is it, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. And I am so excited and really looking forward to our time together during future podcasts. What I need you to do is to please hit the subscribe button share with a friend and please leave a review love reviews and if you want to hear more from me you can head on over to www.raciallyjustschools.com that is www.raciallyjustschools.com when you join our community i have a free video for you on three tips that will make your racial justice work better and again if you love the show hit subscribe rate it and leave a review on itunes and until next time Peace.